I just want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read four verses, or five verses, and I want you to just follow along. And everybody knows this story. In fact, if you were to talk to the people outside of the church that never come to church, they know this story. If you do something good to somebody that's not really, you don't know them, what do you call that person? A good Samaritan. And we're going to talk about the good Samaritan because as I was studying this, there's just no way I could get past this when you're talking about first responders. The first responders are, are, are people that are considered good Samaritans. And I'll show you that in just a second. It says, in verse number 25, it says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up, there's something wrong right there, and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law, how readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. He said unto him, Thou, thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Whenever I read this, I always think of who? I always think as a child, there was a, a, store, a show we used to watch. It was Mr. Rogers. And he'd always say, won't you be my neighbor? You know, I, I wonder if my neighbors think the same way that Mr. Rogers thinks of me. Just to set this up, I'm going to get to the, the Good Samaritan in a second, but we've got to get this set up where he's bringing this in. And he comes in and he asks this, he, Jesus asks him, what does the Scripture say? And he says, watch this verse. If you've got your Bible, it says, in this verse it says, Thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart. You're supposed to give him your, all, your heart. Your soul. It says, with all your strength. And it says, with all your mind. Now we read those. That's hard to do as a Christian. I'm a pastor. I'm telling you, it's hard to do to give your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Because you know what? We all have this flesh we deal with. But here he has this, and he, he says these things, and, and, and I think those are amazing. And then he says, to love thy neighbor as thyself. Who's the, best per, who's the person that you love the most? It's you. We all love ourselves. You don't think that's true? Two people are going out to eat. Let's say two of these people. Are you sisters right here? You're all go, do you have a favorite restaurant? What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite? Don't say Chop House. No, I wouldn't do that. Okay, all right. Okay. If these two were going out to eat, you know where she wants to go? She doesn't want to go to Chop House. You know where she wants to go? Not to La Coretta. They want to go where they like. You know why? Because they like themselves. I loved it when my kids were growing up because my kids didn't know anything other than Taco Bell. And Taco Bell doesn't cost very much, amen? And it's all in the way you ask. If you've been in our church, I'll do that. I would used to do this. You want to go to Olive Garden or Taco Bell? You know, and they'd all say Taco Bell. And so... But when I was with my wife, I would never do that because it didn't work, amen? We, we love ourselves. And so he says, love, love your neighbor as yourself, and that's an interesting statement. As we look into this, you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. That's forsaking who you are and doing something for somebody else. Then he asks this question, he says, who is your neighbor? Really, the hard question was the first four, the mind, soul, strength, and spirit. And, and spirit. Here, but here he says, listen, he wants to know who your neighbor is. And so we're going to look at this. And it, as a first responder, everybody's your neighbor. Everybody is your neighbor. And so I want to, I want to kind of give you my story in just a second. But if you, if you look at this, there's actually three types of people found in this story. And they have a philosophy for themselves, and I want you to see this. 
My story is, is well, let's just read 30 through 35 real quick. It says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, his clothes, and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And then it says, And likewise a Levite. A Levite would be an assistant to a priest. When he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, now you've got to understand this in biblical ter terms. When you say a good Samaritan, there was no such thing in biblical times. A Samaritan was half Jew, half Gentile. The Gentiles didn't like him, the Jews didn't like him. In fact, whenever you find them in the Bible, they're usually in groups because they run around together because they're the only ones that liked each other. They were, they were not, not accepted on either side. And it says, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set on him his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto them, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now Jesus looks at the lawyer, and he says this, he says, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. There's three types of people in the world, and let me kind of give you my story if you're visiting with us. If you're not, you're just going to have to go through this one more time. My last ministry, we had a Christian school. And when Sandy Hooks happened, we had a lot of Firemen, we had a lot of, um, we actually had FBI agents, we had police officers, we had sheriff's department, we had a lot of their kids in our school, and I sat down with them, and I said, for security reasons, what do I need to do to make this place more secure? This is in North Carolina, the rules are a little bit different, and so one guy had this great idea, and he said, here's, here's what you need to do, you need to go to police academy. I said, what does that mean? And he goes, you can do it. He said, you're young, I was 47 at the time, six years ago. And so I said, what will that do? He said, well, that'll make you be able to carry a firearm on the, on the, church, on the school property. Because actually in North Carolina, the schools, the private schools are more restrictive than the public schools are. And so I said, okay. And I, I wasn't really knowing what I was getting into. And how many law enforcement people in here? Okay. The first four or five days, they kept referring to a Leo. They kept saying, Leo does this, Leo does that. And I was like, who is Leo? I was so green to this, I did not know that Leo meant law enforcement officer. I knew my dad's middle name was Leo, but I knew he wasn't doing everything they said that he, these guys were doing. So they went and they, they got me in there and I started taking these classes. By the time it was over, I, there, was, there was 26 of us that went and only 6 of us graduated. I had never done so many push-ups and sit-ups in my life. I lost over 45 pounds. I did ground fighting. I did, I was tear gassed. I d got to drive the cars, got to shoot the guns. That was fun. I didn't know anything about this. All I knew was I was trying to protect somebody. My kids were in that school. I wanted to protect them as much as I possibly could. I ended up graduating and, and I thought, man, I, I hope I never have to do that anymore. And then I ended up leaving that ministry and coming here. So for four months of my life, that's all I lived and breathed was going through this. I remember going through and I, and I remember seeing some of the, all the younger kids that were in there. Everybody was 21 years old. I was 47. I was the second oldest one to ever go through it. 
The oldest one never got through the, the POPAT, the, the physical aptitude um, test that you had to take. I remember when I went through that, I thought, I, there's no way I can do this. I can't do any more sit-ups. These young people were calling me Grandpa. They'd call me Preacher. The worst one that I, I, I disliked was I was running, and I'm a heavy breather when I run, so I just I had to get that oxygen, and I was breathing, and I was breathing, and finally we stopped. And all the young guys were sitting there, and I'm, I'm about ready to die. And I remember one guy goes, are you okay, Wagner? I said, yes. And he goes, I think you're going to have a, a, have a heat stroke or something out here. And so they came up with a new, new nickname, and that kind of stuck, and that was Life Alert. <laughs> and so they started calling me Life Alert. I personally didn't like that one. I'll tell you this, though. When they had prayer requests, and they all had prayer requests during those, those four months, I got to know them, everything. You did everything together. They'd come to me and they'd ask me. I can't tell you how many of them had tragic things happen in their family. Preacher, can you tell your church to pray for us? They came and they visited our church. You know, they have issues just like we have issues. It's just they're seeing people on bad terms. My son has been in, my son-in-law has been in the, in the, air, in the police department in Statesville for two and a half years. Statesville is not a very good location because it's north of, of Charlotte and it's got a lot of gang activity coming up, going up through Mooresville and all these. I've had conversations with my, with my daughter I never thought I'd have. What happens, Dad, if, he, if something happens to him? And we were sharing in Sunday school, I remember telling her, you know, we were talking about life insurance and I never thought with a 24-year-old that I'd have to have these conversations with her. I don't know if you're familiar with the news, but about six months ago, there was a man in Mooresville that was, that was killed in the line of action. And I thought, man, that's really close to where my son-in-law is. That's 20 miles, 20 miles north of it. Through a matter of talking to my son-in-law, I found out that my son-in-law had arrested that same man three months before that. I'm telling you, life is quick. Life is short. And you never know what you're going to see. And as a first responder, there are three types of people that you're going to deal with. And can I say this as a Christian, I am like all three of these in different ways. And as I was preparing for this message, I thought, what does somebody in law enforcement see? Well, they see, a, they see three different types of people, and I want you to see these. Let's go to these first. You see the thief, and um, I don't like thieves. Do you like thieves? I told our people they better be good if we have police officers on this property, amen? And um, we have one, one lady in our church, we have these flyers that we passed out to all the police officers, and um, one lady in our church, I'm not going to say who it is, she knows who she is, she got pulled over. And she had one of the flyers in her back seat. She had enough sense not to reach back and grab it. She said, I wanted to give it to him, but I was scared to reach back there. That was probably some good sense right there, amen? But can I tell you something? There's a thief. What's the thief's process? Go to this verse and see what it says. It says the thief's, I don't know what this means. It says the thief's left him half, half dead. There were more than one. They, they, they took his clothes and they left him alongside the road. Well, they have a certain thought process and here's what it is. A thief's thought process is this. What is thine is mine. And if you're a police officer in here, you deal with people all the time that, that believe this. What is thine is mine. And there's another aspect to this. Look at the next part. 
and I'm going to take it. How many of you ever had something stolen? Didn't that make you feel wonderful? I've had things stolen from me. We had a young lady in, our, in one of our previous ministries that was stealing stuff. We couldn't figure out who it was. And I called a police officer and said, I need to figure out which girl's taking all this money. And so, and so he came up to me and said, this is what I'm going to do. And he said, I'm going to give you some powder to put on a $20 bill and you can't see it. But once they touch it, the oil in their skin will turn blue. I was like, what? And he was particular. He had gloves on when he put it on the, dollar, on the $20 bill. And so later on, we noticed a girl that, it was hot. We were out in California. It was about 85 degrees that day, and we had a girl wearing a sweat, sweatshirt. So I walked up to her, and I said, what's going on? And I pulled her in my office, and she said, I don't know. And she had her hands tucked inside of her sweatshirt. She was a senior that year. And finally, I, and I said, hon, what is going on with your hands? She said, I don't know, but they're blue. And see, the problem with it is if you take that blue powder and you wash it, it's water activated. Her hands, all of her hands were blue. The problem was, she was my secretary's daughter. Her, her dad, thank God for a, a godly father, her dad came in and the only thing he said to me, he said, basically what you're telling me, preacher, is that you caught my daughter blue-handed. <laughs> I said, yeah. You know, People don't like things when, when things are stolen. And here, their philosophy is what is thine is mine and I'm going to take it. Now you have two more people that come on the scene and we're going to look at another philosophy. You have the priest and the Levite. You say, why you got a church on there? Because when you read this, you're a pastor and you're saying this. These people were supposed to be religious people. Watch what they do. The first guy sees him from a distance and doesn't go over and even look at him. The priest does. Look at this. It says in verse number 31, and by chance there came down a certain priest. He sees it and walks on the other side. Now the Levite is more curious. The Levite in the next verse says this. It says, And likewise a Levite, when he saw it at this place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So he actually goes over and looks. I don't know which one's worse. But they have a philosophy, and here's their philosophy. And you've met people like this. What is mine is mine. And I'm going to keep it. You ever been there? Sometimes I'm like that. I don't want people to take my stuff. I've worked hard for it. I don't want people to take it. That's the wrong philosophy. Then you come along and you have this. You have the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, he has a philosophy also. Let's read what he says. Now, well, well, let's just look at his philosophy real quick. His philosophy is this. What is mine is thine. And here's what police officers and firemen and EMTs, they come in and they see you at the worst worst possible time what is mine is thine and I'm gonna give it see I didn't realize this until I started working with these people and, and talking to police officers EMTs and firemen but it's amazing how people react to things I had an EMT that was a, a deacon of our church in Kentucky and he said that they would pick up the same person every day and the guy would want a ride to the hospital and when he get to the hospital he would be miraculously healed you know why? Because Walmart was right by the hospital. And he didn't want to pay for a taxi. I said, you did this all the time with him? He said, every day we deal with this man. And then you talk, you talk to police officers. We, we, had, a, we had the privilege of, of our last ministry having the Secret Service come to our church. That was wonderful. 
We had a guy in our school that put on, on our, when we got in our computer lab and made a threat towards President Obama. They take that very seriously. And they came and they interviewed him and they, they did everything. They, had, they looked just like Secret Service. I was, in, I was actually in, 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 in Police Academy and I get a phone call from my assistant and said, you need to get here. And I said, why do I need to get there? He said, because the Secret Service are there or here. I was like, what? He said, the Secret Service are at the church. You need to get here. My next question, why is the Secret Service at our ministry? And then he kind of explained it. I went and I got to meet these guys. And they looked just, there was a, a lady and a man. They looked just like Secret Service would think. They drove a black sedan. They had a black long coat, black pants, white shirt, black tie. And they were not joking about anything. I remember taking them over to the person's house. And the person admitted that he had done it. After about two hours of interrogating him, they asked him one simple question. They asked him this. He said, what do you want to do with your life? You know what this young man said? He goes, I want to get into law enforcement. <laughs> I thought, that's the worst thing you could possibly say. And you could see that the Secret Service, they didn't smile at all the whole time. You could see one of them kind of smirking a little bit like you have got a long way coming. You know, you see things and you, and, and, and you have to go in. You see the 9-11 and you see people going in when people are coming out. People like me would be running out. People like you would be going in. That's what you're trained for. That's what your ministry really possibly is. And we've got to understand that, that this aspect is hard for a normal person to understand. It was really hard for biblical times because the Samaritan was, he was a Samaritan. Now let's just look really quick at these things that it says about the Samaritan. And I'm not saying every police officer, every fireman, EMT is this way, but you know what? You're not thinking about yourself a lot of times. There's compassion, they say. They say he says he bound him up, fixed his wounds. Not only that, he put him on his own beast, took him on, on, on his beast to take him where he needed to go. Not only that, he, he put it, brought him in the inn and placed him in the inn and took care of him even more. And then it says that he took two pence and gave it to the innkeeper and said, when I come back, if, he owe, if, he, if you have to spend any expenses on him, I'll take care of it. You know what it tells me about first responders? and It tells me time and effort. You're going to have to take time and effort. You say, well, I don't necessarily like my job, but I know what your job is. I know, as I've shared in Sunday school, my daughter will tell you when my son-in-law has a bad day just by his, his perspiration. Just by the way that he responds to things. Life is not easy for a first responder, but all of us normal people, when we have a problem... We call you. And we thank you for it. There's not one second I, I, I would want to be a fireman or a police, uh, police officer. When, we were when, we were, when I was studying in the, in the um, police academy, I remember one particular day, the firemen were there too. And they would practice. And the worst mistake I ever made and, and, and is when they were practicing and they said, we need, they, they, they carried this dummy up this ladder five steps. And they said, well, this dummy weighs such and such, and they forgot to bring the dummy. And I was walking along, and one guy said, hey, can we carry you up this ladder? I was like, what? And then I remember one of the, one of the guys, the chief for us, said, Wagner, go over and do that. I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. And, and they had to carry me up. Five, about the fifth time of being the dummy on the ladder, 
I had to come up with an excuse to get out of there. But I watched some of these guys get ready. I watched what they had to go through. And you know what? If it, if it, when I think about what, who they are, it's that philosophy. What is mine is thine, and I'm going to give it. We have so many things with time and effort that you have to give, and, and then you have, you have this aspect of it. One day, two day, five days, ten days, or thirty days, a lot can change in a day. Right? I don't, I don't look forward to my daughter calling me and telling me that her husband's hurt. He's as strong as a horse right now. I don't look forward to hearing that. And I'm going to tell you this as a, as a testament to me. The devil tries to do everything he can to discourage you. Amen. Ten days ago, and I'll just share one brief thing, and this is not even a major thing that's going on in my life right now. Ten days ago, everything was running smooth. But today, someday, sometime today, I'm going to get a phone call from a, a person up in Michigan. His name is Ed Danes. He is my my my. My oldest sister's husband. And he has to make a decision ten days ago he never thought he'd have to make of taking my sister off of life support. Ten days changes a lot of stuff. One day can change everything. And sometimes we look at our life and think everything's going to be okay. That's why I want your names on cards where I can pray for you. Where our church can pray for you. We want to be an aspect of your life that you don't even know we're here. When I talked to my brother-in-law, he called me, he was crying. I've never heard him cry in my life. I have three, other, I have three siblings, and by the end of the day, probably I'll have two. And I'm not saying this for you to feel sorry for me, I'm just saying life changes. Things change. So when you look at these days, you don't know what's going to happen next 30 days. Everybody says, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Most people know when their next vacation is, Lord willing. You don't expect those phone calls. You don't expect situations like this. This man that was fell, fell, fell among thieves, he didn't expect to be beat up and left half dead. And the thing he would have expected, he was expected the Levite and the priest to pick him up and help him. Here comes Good Samaritan. Bounds him up, has compassion on him, doesn't even know him, puts him over his beast, takes him to the inn, pays money and says, listen, I'll take care of any expense that he has. Huh. There are three responses that you have. Number one, thine is mine. You ever felt like that? I'll be honest with you. You know that little red car out there? That GTO? That's a nice car. It's this man's car right here. What year is it? 66. 66. I was born in 66. <laughs> That'd be a great gift for your pastor. <laughs> um, see how he looked away? I don't think he's going to give it to me. What is thine is mine. And you're not going to give it to me, right? All right, here we go. This is his philosophy. What is mine is mine. And the last one is this. What is mine is thine. You know, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen around the corner. But God has something for us. Bible Baptist Church wants to thank you for your service.
As a Baptist preacher, I have a service. My service is to point people to Christ. Where are you at in this, with the Savior? When Jesus was on the earth, they asked Him who He was. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. He did not say, I was a way. He says, I am the way. And as my responsibility is, is to get people pointed towards Christ, pointed towards heaven. There's no other option other than Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Most, most people forget this last part. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Jesus said that to His disciples. Ellen Danes is my sister's name. The Bible says this, as a Christian, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's only two places you go to, heaven or hell. I would like to think that my, my sister is saved. I don't know. I've asked her. She, she would not really respond to me on that. I've found out that she has been going to church, a Baptist church down in Florida and a Methodist church, I think, up in, up in, in um, Michigan. When I called him, I was shocked to hear that he had called both churches and had them pray for her. Because I didn't even know they went to church. I wish I could answer for her, but I can't. I wish I could answer for you, but I can't. We have people in here that have lost loved ones. And the only way they can get to heaven is through Christ. So Bible Baptists, we, we thank you for your service. But our service here in the church is pointing people to Christ. I wish you'd really consider your eternity. I wish you'd really consider in one to five to ten to thirty days, everything can change. We had a young lady, I think it was Kelly, that told us that they have a friend, that their, their friend is an assistant pastor, and his dad was the pastor of a church in Virginia, and he passed away unexpectedly this, year, this week. Life goes just like this. You don't realize how old you are until you run around young people. They'll tell you how old you are. They'll even guess your weight if you want them to. <laughs> but when it comes to salvation, you've got to get it settled. We've all seen tragic things. But you know what I want? I want people to look at me and say, I think he's more like the good Samaritan than he is the Levite and the priest. I think he's more like the good Samaritan than he is the thief. But my goodness will not get me to heaven. The only way I get to heaven is by realizing I am nothing. And by realizing I am nothing, I have to put my faith in something that I'll never see until I get to heaven. And that's Christ. Christ saved me, and I want to tell you something, I was a rascal. I love hearing stories of people when they were young. Well, tell me a story about so-and-so. And you could just see people's minds just taken off. Because sometimes we were not what we needed to be. But when Christ came in my heart, He changed me. And He'll change you. And hopefully He's already changed you. Because we're not here for ourselves. We're like the Samaritan. We're here for others. And with that said, what are you going to do with Christ in your life this week? If anything, take that token that's got my number on it. Give me a call. And say, would you just pray for me? I don't need to know your name. I don't need to know who you are. I just need to know I need to pray. But God sure has been good, hasn't he?